0: Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Real Life Church this morning. We're so glad that you're with us today. If you're our guest, we want to welcome you Thank you for taking a portion of your weekend and spending it with us. My name is Jason, and uh, we're just glad that you're with us today. And at the end of service, if you would, stop by the Next Steps area. We'd love to give you a free gift. Thank you for coming and being a part of our weekend. Can we give our guests a big hand clap, everybody? Come on. Come on. Keep clapping. Welcome those that are watching online, too. We welcome you. And so we're so glad, man. Boy, it's cold in Ohio. I was in Florida all week. Me and my wife just, well, so we're about to celebrate 26 years of marriage Come on, somebody. So this past week, we had the opportunity uh, uh, to go to Florida, and we spent a week there celebrating 25 years a couple weeks before 26. Come on, somebody. So we were scheduled to go, but there was this little thing called a hurricane that actually the the eye went right towards the area where we were going to be at, and uh, we had an opportunity to go down there. And so uh, I want to give a big shout-out to my staff and our team. Uh, You know, when I leave and uh, and not around, um, you know, they handle it. And so I'm very thankful for our team today. Can you give our staff and our team a big hand clap, everybody? They do it. Do it well. And so... Um, we're praying, we're praying for Dawn Wheeler. She had a surgery this week, and uh, uh, she had some complications, but praise God, she's, uh, uh, last I heard, I uh, got a good report, uh, they had to take her back into surgery because she was bleeding a little bit, and uh, praise God. We just prayed that the doctors would find it, be quick about it, and uh, she's, uh, she's resting well, doing well, and uh, talked to uh, Chris yesterday, and uh, before she went to bed, I guess she ate some, some, some broth, amen, and some Italian ice. Those two things go together, amen. But uh, she's doing well, blood pressure is doing well, so thank God for continuing to work in Dawn's body. She had a, a, a I believe it was gallbladder surgery, and uh, so anyway, uh, God's doing some great things there. Just a couple announcements before I get into our new series called Fear Not. Uh, uh, the men's small group, uh, they're getting ready to, they're sponsoring a chili cook-off on December the 2nd. And so uh, if you're a man and you want to come to the, to the, to the, to the, to the event, uh, there's no registration. The only thing you need to do is bring your best chili. And so TJ's got prizes and everything. And so it's our small group, our men's small group sponsoring it. But you don't have to be in the group uh, to be a part of it. This is a men's event. So we want you to come be a part. Bring your best chili. Bring your fire chili. Amen. Bring your fire chili. Jeremy Underwood, he brings the fire chili. He brings fire ch- He makes fire chili. And so bring your fire chili. That's going on December the 2nd. And uh, that's at the offices at 6 o'clock. So once you to come, be a part of that. Our ROC our Christmas is coming up uh, December the 18th, and uh, we want you to invite some folks. We got uh, kids, and we got a really great uh, uh, preparation time, great, great service we're preparing for for December the 18th. I want you to come out and uh, celebrate Christmas with us on the 18th, and so we've had several people ask us, and so I'll go ahead and tell you, we will not have uh, service on the 25th of uh, Christmas Day, nor uh, we will be online though, so be online please, and then uh, a New Year's Day, also we will not be having service on New Year's Day. So what's going to happen, though, is when we come back after that, and here's a good thing about this, is we have a team called the Set Up and Teardown Team, and it's awesome. They come in here every Sunday, and, and it gives our teams a time. We've done this for the last couple of years. Uh, it gives our team a time to breathe. Amen. How many know needs rest? How many know we need rest? And so um, we're, 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 we do this also, and uh, some pastors are like, man, you're not, nobody's going to come back. Well, then... Maybe they didn't want to be here in the first place, amen. But anyway, um, we're, we're, we're trusting the Lord that over those couple weeks you get some rest. We will be online, and so we're creating some services uh, for Christmas Day as well as New Year's Day. And then when we come back in January, January the 8th is when we come back, and that's actually the actual date of when we started Real Life Church, so we will be 11 years, come on somebody, on January the 8th. And so I'm hoping to share some good news with you as we get closer to January. And so that's coming up. And so also at the end of service today, we partner with various organizations during Christmas time. And uh, one of the, the we partner with Springboro Community Assistance Center. We also partner with ARC. Uh, they changed the name uh, Safe on Main, I think, is what's called now. But there's a Christmas tree back here, and what we do with the Springboro Com- Community Assistance Center is one of the needs is the teenagers don't really get much. And so we've, last couple of years, have kind of picked that up with gift cards. And so uh, it's real simple pick a tag, get the gift card bring it in. I believe the deadline is December the 4th for you to turn those in. So grab a, I'd like for that all to be gone and uh, we can bless some teenagers during Christmas. Amen, everybody. And so we want to do that. That's coming up. And then finally, just a reminder, our vision offering is continuing. Some of you have started to give towards the building and uh, we're so thankful for that. We're on pace to to break our $300,000 goal. Come on somebody by the end of the year. And so praise the Lord for that. I will give updates as we go. And so that's all I got for you this morning. Have a great day! Thanks for coming to church. We are starting today a new series called "Fear Not," and it's a Christmas series. My wife was like, "It's not even Thanksgiving." I said, "You need to tell everybody else that too, because there's Christmas trees up." Come on, anybody got their Christmas tree up yet? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> pointing. Uh, Christmas trees are up. Um, you know, Christmas music, which play, I feel like it plays just. Six months out of the year. Anyway, Christmas, Christmas music's going on. Uh, people starting to decorate. And so I went ahead and I, wanna, I wanted to frame this series over the next couple weeks leading into our Christmas weekend. And uh, I started to, as I started to study uh, concerning uh, Christmas and, you know, as a pastor, uh, there's only so many ways you can preach Christmas. Come on, somebody. And, uh, but I, I started to read through the scripture and the Christmas story, and I found a theme in, this, in the Christmas story And it's this this terminology, fear not. And uh, as I begin to study, I found four characters within the Christmas story, some you may not not even know of, but I found four characters in the Christmas story that an angel of the Lord came to these certain people and said, fear not. And so I'm going to take the next four weeks and I'm going to take each uh, character for each week and I'm going to break down this concept of fear not you know, because fear happens when we put our faith in the wrong things. You know, we're living in a culture and a time today where fear is very, very prevalent. Uh, you know, we went through a pandemic in uh, 2020 and, uh, you know, uh, just the, the economic status of the world. You see on the news like wars and rumors of wars and uh, all that stuff that's going on in the earth today. And a lot of times it can create fear. Some of you it's just uh, maybe financial fears that you have. Maybe you have relational fears in your life. Fear shows up in so many ways, but a lot of times what happens is we put faith in the wrong things is why, we cre- why fear is created in our life. You know, fear is faith in the enemy. Faith is faith in God. And so I'm hoping over the next couple weeks by, by looking at these characters that you can put yourself in the story. I want you to put yourself in this story because when we all deal with certain fears in our life, fear, fear is what keeps us from trusting God. It, 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 it creates in us uh, this paralyzi- paralyzing feeling and, it's, it, it, and we don't step into the plan that God has for our lives. And so I'm hoping over the next couple of weeks, God would ignite something in your heart that God did not create you for fear. He didn't create you for fear just like he didn't create you for isolation. So if you've been watching online, we're very thankful that you're online, but come join us. Come on, man, we want to hug your neck. Come on, somebody. Come on, we want you to come back to church. There's something about being a part of the body of Christ, and so I want to encourage you today, be open with what the Lord wants to speak to you over the next couple of weeks. And so, you know, I love kids, and kids, when it comes to Christmas, they start talking about Christmas. And, and uh, you know, they get, they get excited knowing Christmas is coming. I mean, most kids do at least. And uh, you start putting up the Christmas tree and, and uh, you know, you start talking about a Christmas list and, 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 and all the what you want for Christmas and all those sorts of things. And, and I heard this story of this little girl. She went to sit on the, uh, Santa's lap. And as she was at the mall, she, she went up to Santa's lap like, like normally would. And Santa, Santa looked at her and said, uh... Uh, what, what would you like for Christmas this year? And the little girl kind of looked, looked at him puzzled and responded with, you didn't get my email. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the point is this, is I, I, think it's, I think it's funny how kids live in this place of expectation. Adults sometimes, some of you woke up not even realizing that Christmas is a couple weeks away. You know, some people, like, uh, sometimes we just, we're, we're in the hustle and the bustle, and, and you're like, oh, Christmas is about to happen, and, and, and we start to freak out about Christmas. And, and here's what I want you to understand this morning is this. We always have the promise of the certainty that Christmas morning is coming. We have the promise of it. You know, kids, they're excited because they know Christmas is coming. Christmas, is, uh, Christmas morning is going to happen. There's this anticipation in their life. And what we have to understand is that the dynamic of this is we tell them Christmas is coming, but there is a waiting period between knowing Christmas is coming and Christmas actually happening. And, and I think a lot of times that we, we miss the idea in the Christmas story is this, is that the dynamic of waiting, and waiting is the very dynamic of the Christmas story. Do you realize that for centuries and generations, People got up every single day, not just waiting on Christmas, but there's a group of people for generation after generation after generation who waited for the Messiah every single day. They were given this promise thousands of years ago that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to save his people from their sin. And these people got up every single day in expectation of whether the Messiah was coming. Maybe the day day was coming. They believed a Savior was coming, that God was sending a rescuer. They believed that God was sending somebody that would free his people. But think about the generations that came and went never seeing the reality of that promise. And, and what we have to understand is unlike the certainty of Christmas we have, these people lived in the unknown of when will this thing really happen? It went on for generation after generation, and, and 99% of the people waiting for this promise died before getting to experience the fulfillment of that promise. Let me ask you a question. What if what you've been promised doesn't happen in your lifetime? Well, pastor, don't you think God wants to do? Well, no, wait a minute. What if it doesn't happen in your lifetime, but it may happen in your kid's lifetime? Here's the question. Are you still willing to wait for it? See, a lot of times we think, well, we're striving and, 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 and we're living our lives a certain way. These people got up every day, and they weren't guaranteed that today was the day the Messiah was coming. They prayed. They waited. They stayed faithful. Some people bailed. They rolled out like, hey, this ain't ever going to happen. I wonder how many of us live our lives this way. We live our lives in a way where we bail from a promise because we don't see it in our lifetime or in our timetable. I think the toughest thing for Christians in the earth today is waiting for the fulfillment of something they're believing for. And if it doesn't happen within our window, then all of a sudden we bail on God and be like, that promise must have never been true in the first place. See, there was always this group of people who woke up hopeful, hopeful, That this could be the day that the Messiah shows up. Here's what you have to understand. Between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew is 400 years of silence. The Bible calls this, this is 400 years where God didn't say a word. But those group of people were still getting up for 400 years expecting a Messiah to come on the scene. In other words, what God's trying to communicate to us through his word is this, is that perseverance is a requirement to be a Christ follower. I know a lot of times we we come and and people come and they say, well, I want to follow Jesus, and they think everything's just going to work. It's just going to be perfect, right? It's just, I'm going to get Jesus in my heart, and it's just going to be perfect. Can I give you good, bad news? It's going to be perfect, but it's also going to be bad, like, When I gave my heart to Christ, it wasn't like, oh, great, I'm a Christian now. Everything is wonderful. No, what happens is, is there can be an all-out assault against your life. Because you made a decision to follow Jesus. These people, through 400 years of silent years, but they got up every day hopeful. We all have waiting seasons. We all have seasons in life where we have silent seasons. We have seasons of, God, where are you kind of seasons. We've all had these types of seasons. It's like, it's like God is quiet and uninterested in what we're going through. We've all been there. We've all experienced it at some level. That, that, that waiting seasons, and here's the, here's the thing with waiting seasons, is waiting seasons can be gripped with fear. And the reason they can be gripped with fear is because we may find ourselves believing, what if this dream or this promise never happens? What if I'm believing for something that never takes place in my lifetime? See, God in his word wants to encourage us because if you feel this way today, I want you to listen the Christmas story, the, the story of these people are going to be something that's going to grab your heart. And I want to introduce you to the first character that we're going to talk about in the Christmas story that some of you may not even, that we don't even really talk about in the Christmas story. And his name is Zechariah. Luke, no, Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 7 says this. It says, when Herod was king of, uh, was king of Judah, Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. Now, he was, again, he was a priest, so he was a godly man. It says he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So they were they were from the priestly line. It says Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes; good people, loved God. It says careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. Now listen; th- these were good people, like they loved Jesus. They they were they were people that 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 loved the Lord. They were of a, a, a high level. Of religious line of priests, and they were they were they were they were in the priestly line and, and these were they were people that obeyed the commandments of the Lord and it says they were righteous in God's eyes. And it said this they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, you think about this passage for just a minute with Zechariah and Elizabeth, is that they were following God. They were, they were righteous. They were of the priestly line. You would think, hey, our, pred- our, our, our who we are and where we've come from and, and how we live our lives. God, why don't you do this certain thing for us in our lives? And sometimes what we have to understand is delays and waiting seasons can create disappointment. It can create letdowns. Because listen, we see the immediate in our life. We want the immediate. We, we want that roll up to Jesus window. Give Hey, i take a number one. Can you supersize that bad boy? Come on, somebody. And we want to roll out with Jesus that way. This has created a weak church in America. Here's what I mean by that. It's because when it doesn't go our way, and we have to persevere through a little stuff, and we have to wait on some things, and we have to, we have to keep fighting for something, the Bible says that we fight the fight of faith. The, fa- the faith life is a fight. It is a war. God talks to us that we are soldiers in his army. He's not talking about a group of people that's just kind of secluded and isolated away. Don't ever get around anybody that may mess up our Christian bubble. No, what God's trying to communicate to us is that, that the weakness that we're experiencing, listen, I heard somebody say it like this, is that covid basically drained the lake, and we could see the deficiencies. We could see the deficiencies in our life, right? This thing came and hit our lives. You're like, why are you still talking about COVID? Because it's something that was a revealer. It was, it was, a, it was a revealer. You know, even to the point, look, look, I'm going to say, some of you, listen, you got to be careful now. Look, some of you, because your your. you uh, me, I'm, I'm treading on thin ice right here. Let me say it in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's, here, here's kind of how I want to put it. Is some of you, um, your political party, that's all I'll say, didn't get to the place where you thought it should be. But you have to be very careful. You can't replace Jesus with a political party now you need to vote your values you need to look at the candidates you need to vote your values make a sound decision you need to pray I absolutely agree with it but you're not supposed to exalt man Bible says you shall have no other God before me I don't know why I'm talking about this maybe I'm getting you ready for something I remember when COVID broke out God gave me a word behold right before it broke out in 2020 God gave me a word in 2019 and it was behold I preached it on a Sunday I said things on, in 2019 at the end of the year with this word behold of what we were getting ready to come into in 2020. All I'm trying to tell you is make sure Jesus is in the right spot and that's number one. Amen? He's number one. Put him there. Keep him there. But what we have to understand is that God God wants us to be a church that waits but waits in faith, waits in perseverance. And this is what happened in this in this passage with with the idea of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now I'm gonna read verse eight. It says in Luke 1 verse 8, it says one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple. Now he had these disappointments. They they couldn't have kids. But notice what he didn't do. He didn't turn his back on the Lord. It says he started to serve God in the temple for his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of the priest who was chosen by law to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing in the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But verse 13 says this, But the angel said unto him, Fear not. See, this was the terminology that angels would use in the Christmas story. Now, how many know you would probably be terrified if a nine foot, eight foot angel showed up in your bedroom tonight, right? You would be like, "Uh," and the angel would have to say, "Fear not." And he'd be like, okay, I'm trying. You're big and furry. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're you're a big guy, right? And so the the angel of the Lord said to him, "Fear not." And I think there's something within this text that we have to understand: fear breeds more fear. Fear breeds more fear. I heard Mark Twain say it. I've been through some terrible times in my life, a few of which actually happened. Fear breeds more fear. Fear clouds our judgment. Fear comes in and it starts to grip our judgment on how we're supposed to make decisions. And fear redirects our energy. We start putting our energy in the wrong spot when fear is present. And God wants to communicate to us, fear not. In Luke chapter 1, I'll keep reading verse 13 through 20, says, God has heard your prayer. This is what the angel of the Lord came to tell Zechariah. He came to tell him that God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. These are John the Baptist's parents. It says, you will have great joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He, must be, he will be filled with the spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He was the first forerunner. He was the first guy to introduce Jesus to the planet, this guy named John. And then he says this, he says, and um, uh, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zachariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? How many of us do that? All of a sudden God gives us a promise and, and we haven't seen it, we're living our lives and in this case they couldn't have kids. God gives them a promise and then this, this is what we do right? We want the details. This is what we do. How can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. I love how he didn't call his wife old. He said, she's just well along in years. In other words, how are we going to have children? We're old. Come on, somebody. He's trying to be honest with him. Then he says, then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. Now think about that for a moment. God was turning his fear and he was saying get your eyes off your fear and your concern how this is going to happen and realize that I've been sent from the very presence of God. Then he says this. It was he who sent me. It was he that gave me the promise to deliver to you. Now, the Bible tells us that God neither sleeps nor slumbers. It says that God is not a liar. And so he brought a promise through his angel Gabriel and he brings this promise to, to uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, what you have to understand is that the promise maker doesn't just make a promise. He's also the promise fulfillment. In other words, his guarantee is good. If he makes you a promise, he's going to follow through with it. For example, if I make you a promise, and I say to you, next week, I'm going to bring you $100 to church on Sunday. Now, some of you be like, oh, he's crazy. He ain't going to do it. But some of you might know my track record, and you're going to be waiting right out here for your $100, because the promise that I gave is not just the fact that I gave the promise, But my character backs up the promise that I gave, that he will fulfill what he promised. So back it up. Think about God for just a minute. Think about his character. Think about his sovereignty. Think about his power. Think about his presence. He didn't just throw a word out there, oh yeah, you're going to have a kid, maybe. No, he said, I come from the very presence of God. So you don't have to worry about what's going on in this world. You don't have to worry about how this thing's supposed to happen. All you need to do is realize that there is a promise maker and he's a promise keeper and he's going to fulfill the promise in your life. That goes for you today, church. Whatever you're trusting God for in the waiting season, because this was a, a waiting season. I will tell you this, that in the waiting comes a word. You might want to write that down. In the waiting comes a word. They were waiting. They were wondering. They were seeking. But God broke through with his word. He says, it was he who sent me to bring you the good news. But now, since you didn't believe, (laughs) Zechariah, he says this, I said, believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will, be, will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Now, why in the world? So you think Zachariah, so Zachariah questioned, God gave him a promise, but because of his unbelief, he told him, listen, you are going to be silent and you are not going to be able to see. Now, you think, well, that's mean, God. Why? Because what, what was God doing in this moment? God was changing his perspective. God in this moment was not allowing him to see his fears. God in this moment was bringing him to this place where he's shutting off his fears. And why did He cause him not to speak? Because words are powerful. He would have messed up his miracle with his mouth. He would have been like, "Oh, this ain't really going to happen, Elizabeth. I want you to know, I was down at the temple today, and Gabriel showed up. Yeah, angel came, seen me. You know, I told him that our we're old and our plumbing doesn't work, so we can't have kids." Amen. And so uh, I just want you to know that he gave us a promise that we're going to have a kid and his name's John. He's not to drink, be an alcoholic, amen. You know, and that's and, and, and kind of like that demeanor. Because he would have spoke against his promise and his promise wouldn't have been fulfilled. I think some of us have to realize something, that in the waiting, you got to watch your words. If you don't watch your words, you're going to cancel out the promise that God has for your life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 29, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Luke 1, 21 through 27. It says this. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah to come out of the sanctuary. They were waiting to see what was gonna happen, wondering why he was taking so long. And when they finally come, he did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And when Zachariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant with John the Baptist, the forerunner that would introduce the world to the real promise, Jesus. So he says this in his word, he says this, and went, in, and went into seclusion for five months How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Gabriel was a busy man. He went to the village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. God was preparing for his Messiah, for his son to come to the earth. And as he was preparing, he, he 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 prepared with a forerunner named John, and he took Zachariah and Elizabeth, and he says, "Fear not, fear not. I'm giving you this word, fear not." And today, church, I don't know what you're dealing with or what you're concerned with today, but here's my word to you: fear not. The word and the promise that God has given you for your life, for our church, for our community, for our region, for our city, and for our state, and for our nation is a promise from him. And that promise is in his word. It's not something that you just make up. It's not something that you mentally assent to. It's in his word. And his word is good. His word is true and every man a liar. His word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You can take his word to the bank and his word will work if you work the word amen in the waiting work the word stand on the word watch your words in the waiting so how do we respond how do we respond when a promise or a dream is delayed or how do we respond when what we thought was supposed to happen didn't happen how do we respond I really believe that the Lord gave me this statement. You can write it down. The true test of whether your relationship with God is authentic or not is what your response is in the waiting periods of life. It's not when everything's going right. Authenticity doesn't happen when you're getting everything you want. Authenticity happens when you have to wait. You ever taking your child to the store and you take your kid to the store, right? These are the little angels. And he's going to the store all nice and wonderful. And there they are. And you get to the toy section. And they're like, I want that. And when you say no, what happens? Like he went from really nice to a demon in 10 seconds. But what we don't understand is as adults, we do the same thing. It just doesn't show up with, Wah! it shows up in manipulation it shows up in, in, in control, it shows up in gossip, it shows up in strife, it shows up in giving up. These are the ways it shows up in our life. We pout before God, well God, you didn't do it my way, so by God, I don't know, by God, by you, by, by God. What be? Listen to me for just a second. Why does the God of the universe have to consult you about the plan that he orchestrated for your life? Last time I checked, unless you're a humanistic and humanism and you live that way and you're your God, then yeah, you should consult yourself if you worship self. But if you don't worship self and you worship God, then the perspective has to come from him. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from the way we just like it and make us feel good, no, it doesn't come from there. It comes from him, so what do we do? Number one, keep on praying. What do we do in the season of waiting like Elizabeth and Zechariah? What do we do with the waiting seasons of life like the people for generations and generations that waited? Keep on praying. 1 John chapter five, verse 14 and 15 says this, and this is the confidence. This is some extra stuff for you. This is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Notice what he says. This is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, his will is his word, not your want, his will. He says, and a lot of times we're asking our wants Well, God will give me the desires of my heart. Yeah, I believe that. As long as your desires are his desires. I believe that. As long as your desires are his desires. As long as the origination of your desire is not self, but him. He says we can have confidence that when we pray, that when we ask, because that's what he says, if we ask. If is a contingency word. That if we do something, then God will do something. It's not God's just going to do something. It's if we ask, if we ask, we give permission to through our asking for God to move. You mean I got to give permission to God for God to move? Yes, you got the authority on the earth. And when you give God permission to move through your prayer and through his name and his authority, he will move on your behalf. He said you can have confidence that word confidence is courage. That word confidence is boldness. He said you can have assurance that we have toward him if we ask anything according to his will. He hears us, and if he hears us, he will answer us. He said you can have assurance in this. That word assurance comes the word from, sounds like the word faith. Hebrews 11.1 one says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. So how do we operate in a waiting season? Waiting season should not be a whining season. A waiting season should be a prayer season. Should be, hey baby, I know I don't have it quite yet, but I'm gonna keep on praying because I got confidence and assurance that he that begun a good work in me will achieve it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I come boldly with courage and transformation before my father, and I ask him according to his will, and all of a sudden he begins to respond in the waiting season. There is an ultimate promise that you're believing for, but listen to me, don't try to get out of the waiting season. The waiting season is a, about extracting things out of you that will divert the promise when it comes to fulfillment. Here's what I mean by that, you will mess it up. If the promise happens and you didn't take the waiting season seriously, where you allowed God to pull the things out of you that would disrupt the promise when it is fulfilled, it's kinda like hitting the lottery. Amen, somebody hits the lottery, woo, hit the lottery. Right, but you didn't know how to manage money. And all of a sudden, because you didn't manage money, Now you lost all the money that you got from the lottery. It's proven. People do this all the time. It's proven. You hit the lottery, within the next year or two, the money's gone. You didn't know how to manage it, you know, your ambitions, right? This is what God's trying to communicate to us. He's trying to say that there is something happening in the waiting season, and our posture should be, Matthew 7, 7, keep on asking. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Church, in the season where it feels like it's delayed, in the season where it feels like it's gripped with fear, keep on praying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking, and God will respond. Come on, church, come with me. Keep on praying. Number two, like Zechariah, you got to keep on serving. You gotta keep on serving. You gotta keep on being a blessing. Romans twelve eleven says, "Never be lazy. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically." Whew. See, serving is not a chore. It's the number one characteristic of your Savior. The Bible says that He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom. God in his in his nature is serving. So you keep on praying, you keep on serving, and number three, you keep on believing. You keep on believing. 2 Timothy 3:14 says, You must keep on believing the things you have been taught, you know they are true. Never let fear define your faith. Never let fear define. Your faith. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. No, it's just an emotion. No, it's not. It's a spirit. And it's all over the place in our world. It's everywhere. People are gripped with fear all the time. And I'm not talking about your spider fear. I'm scared of spiders. It's going to come out the nostril of the bathtub and they're going to eat me up. No, I'm not talking about arachnophobia. I'm talking about Fear of failure. I'm talking about fear of purpose. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm talking about deep wells of fear in your life that paralyzes you to do what God's called you to do. Keep on believing. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. I love David. He says this, and I'll close here. Psalm 34, 4 says, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. How me be honest today and say, I'm struggling with the spirit of fear? I'm dealing with fear. Come on, you be honest with me. You just raise your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to declare that Psalm 34, 4 over your life today. You say, Pastor, it's me, man. I'm dealing with fear. I'm, I'm, it's, 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 it's plaguing me. We got to keep on believing. We got to keep on praying. We got to keep on serving. And listen to me. I had a vision a long time ago about, and I'm just going to share this with you in closing. I didn't plan on sharing this, but it just popped up in my heart, in my face, here in my mind. Was I saw this army, and I saw I saw this army laying everywhere, and it was kind of a picture of Ezekiel's army. And I will never forget. I was a youth pastor at the time when I saw this, and it just kind of came up to me, just now. And so I, maybe it's for today. And so I saw this uh, this army of people, and they were just they were they looked like they had been defeated, and uh, they 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 um. Their, their army, their gear, their, their clothing, their, their faces. Like, like they, were, they looked dirty. They were in dirt and they had holes all in their and clothes and, and they looked defeated. And I, I remember asking the Lord, like I saw thousands and thousands of people what looked like an army at one time that had tenacity and fight and grit and I remember, I remember asking the Lord, I said, Lord, what is this? What, what is this picture? And the Lord said, this is my church. He, sa- he said, they've been, they've been, they, they have, the, the fight's been taken out of them. They, they feel like they've been battled and bruised and, and, and broken in this, this season. And I said, Lord, what do you, what, what why, why are you showing me this? And he said, I'm getting ready to cause a fresh wind to come to my church. Where the fight was taken out of them. Where the life was taken out of them. I'm getting ready to cause a fresh wind. And all of a sudden, in this in this dream, I'll never forget. I saw it happen. I saw this wind come into this group of people. And I saw thousands of people. And I saw this wind come into this group of people. And I saw instantaneous boom. It was like, it was just like the, the whole picture changed. And everybody was upright with new, new warrior gear on. It was like they had, they had got their new, their new assignment. They got new clothes on. They had new armor. They had new battle gear. And it was like there was this tenacity back in these people that had been taken out by the world, that, that, that had once had been taken out and there was a fresh wind that hit and these people stood upright and as if they had something different in their eyes moving forward. And I really believe that as the statistics are going, as the as the stats are being put out right now about the church in America, listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen. I know this may not relate to you at all, but the stats about the church in America, it's not going up it's going down and it's going down rapidly. You say, pastor, you're a doom and gloom preacher. No, I just read the the numbers. But listen to me, there's coming a fresh fight in his church again. That there is a remnant of people like the people of old. There is something getting ready to hit the church of America. And I really believe that our young people are key. Our young people are key. You're like, Pastor, Uh, people leave the church because, oh, you're focusing on the young people. Okay. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, we're leaving the church because you seem to be focusing on the next generation. Well, what in the world does God focus on? Sorry, back out of that counseling appointment that I really sense in this time that we're living in, that it's we can't play, we cannot play. There's a real devil and he's loose and he's wracked havoc on the church that we don't even know where, who we are. We can't find our Bibles. We can't find our weapons anymore. And, and we're sitting on the couch in this spiritual, lethargic state. And God wants you to know today that there's coming a supernatural move to the church that's in America. And I'm in it. I'm on it. I'm a part of it. That you're a part of it. That God's coming with a fresh wind on his church. And when that wind comes and you're in your prayer closet and all of a sudden you're like, what in the world was that? You're going to find yourself standing up instead of taking what the devil's been doing in your life. You're going to draw a line in the sand and say, no longer will you trespass on my property. No longer will you trespass. All of a sudden, you're not going to just sit back and take the sickness. You're not just going to sit back and take the problem. You're not just going to sit back and take the issue. You're going to draw a line in the sand, and the fight will get back in your eyes. And you will have a word from God, and God will speak through you to the enemies of the day, and you will chop its head off. The church is rising in this season with a fresh word from heaven that's that's being deposited in a remnant of people that in this season, that it will not be the words that we speak from our own mouth. It will be a word that comes from the very throne of God, where we lay down our agendas to fight an enemy that's trying to take over our nation, that's trying to take over our country, that's trying to wipe out another generation of kids. And by God, on my watch, I will not sit back and I will not sit idle. I will press forward and I'm trusting that we're all going this direction together. Let's pray this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, Corey 10 Boone said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Father, in the name of Jesus, can we just stand? Stand where you are this morning. Just kind of, I want you to stand. I know this is weird if you're a guest, you don't have to grab a hand, but I want you to grab a hand close by. If you you feel comfortable doing that, just grab a hand. I want to get into agreement. Right now, there's something happening in the atmosphere. And it's not just in this room. It's atmospheric. It's over this region. I remember the Lord told me when we came to Springboro. The number one devil we'd fight would be religious devils. And the number, and, and the number two thing we would fight would be greed. And i never forget, the Lord spoke that to me and he showed me the gates of this region. You don't understand it, some of you don't understand it. You that are intercessors might understand it. But he showed me the gates and the entry points. And he showed me the Apostle Paul being tormented by the evil spirit that was in the little girl that kept bugging bugging him and bugging him and bugging him. And all of a sudden finally he just turned around and cast it out of her. And when he cast it out of her, all of a sudden the religious rulers came against him. There's two spirits that came in in this moment. Number one, because it was about money. She was carrying money. She was about money, she was making money for them. And all of a sudden when that was broken off her life, they no longer could make money. But the spirit that was fighting with greed was a religious spirit. So pastor, what's that got to do with anything? It's the thing that's sucking the life out of us. Father, this morning, as we stand vulnerable before you, as we stand in that place, Lord God, as we stand, Lord, as we see the church today, As we see those, Lord, that maybe experienced uh, devastation and disappointment in the waiting season, Lord, today I'm praying for that word that you showed me, God, that you would put the fight back in your church, that they would begin to believe again, they would begin to serve again, they would begin to pray again. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today that you're raising up an army of people. Lord God, that in the last days, Lord God, you're pouring out your spirit upon all flesh. God, you thank you that your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. I thank you today, Lord, for the move of, of God that's happening. Lord, I thank you today that in this realm, that God, as, we, as I see holes of light being broken through in the atmosphere over this region, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I come against those things that make us think that this is the only, this is, this is just the way it's going to be, this is the way it's always going to be. No, Lord, I pray you put the fight, the belief the humility back into your church today, that Lord God, as we as we humble ourselves before you, that Lord, this is not a production. This is not about entertainment. This is not about just getting everything right. But Lord God, it is about a spiritual move to rescue people that are far from you. And Lord, I thank you today that as we press in for those that may not know you, Lord, I pray today for the church. I pray for the wind of God. I pray for the wind of God, like Ezekiel experienced. I pray for the wind of God to come even now, Lord, to blow over this place, to blow in and through and around. Every- Every person in this room, may the life of God flow again in our midst that in the name of Jesus we would not lay down our sword but Lord you're you're re-enlisting us as the army of God we decree and declare today new life in your church again souls to come into the kingdom because the church is on fire with the presence of God. And we pray that today, that in the name of Jesus, that you would break off every religious spirit, every humanistic nature of man. We pray that you would break it off today, that in the name of Jesus, the life of God would flow into our lives and through our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap today for his word? Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app and online at live real life.com.